Hello. Welcome to episode nine of Transforming 45. Next week we hit double digits. I can barely believe it. It seems like just a heartbeat ago that I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start this podcast. It was something that had been on my mind for a really long time and I just started and it's been this really beautiful journey ever since. Um, I get to have conversations with the most fierce loving, incredible humans, all women so far, but I have some ideas for some men I would also like to have on this show. And I also get to tell my continuing story and my continuing journey. And part of that journey is watching this podcast grow. And I've got to tell you, it's really exciting when I look at how it's being listened to um, there are multiple episodes being listened to a day now, which is really rewarding. It means that my story is your story and you are hearing your story reflected in mine. And that's the whole point. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. It means so much to me when you send me a message and let me know what you connected with or um, what changed your mind about something or challenged you about something or what made you laugh and what made you smile because joy and laughter is also such an important part of the healing process and of the ride. So there's all kinds of ways you can do that. You can send me direct messages in Spotify, if you click where it says more, where you see the description, it'll open up. You can scroll down and there's a spot where you can send voice notes. I would love for someone to send me a voice note about what they thought. Um, and I'm sending that out as a challenge. Be the first one. I haven't had one yet. Uh, so be the first person to send me a voice message. It will be cathartic for you and it will go straight to my heart. I promise. Uh, in Apple, you can write a review, which really makes a difference for me uh, and, and my podcast and how it gets noticed. So for any for those people who have taken time to write reviews, I am so deeply grateful and your words have touched my heart. Uh, and if you feel so moved, I would be grateful to, to you if you were to write a review um, and rate the podcast it really helps. Every little bit helps. My intention with this podcast is to grow a community, a community of humans who feel seen and heard in ways that they have never felt seen and heard. And I hope that when you need a soft space to go or a soft place to land, one of these episodes can be that place. When you need a soft voice in a hard spot, I hope that you find an episode that is that soft spot for you and that creates a beautiful place to land and to sit and to think. And so today, you get just me. I've had the pleasure of conversations with incredible women for the last couple of weeks. And today I wanted to talk about something that is really coming up for me and I hear echoes of it all over the place. 
um, in culture, in conversations I have with, with other humans. And it's something that we don't often give ourselves a lot of time or space to sit with. And so today, I am inviting you to sit with me in the discomfort of fear and rejection. Fear and rejection. What would we be capable of if fear and rejection weren't shadows hanging over our shoulders? You're going to hear me say fear and rejection, not fear of rejection, because fear and rejection are the same thing. They just, it's fear of something really specific, right? It is the fear of not being seen, not being loved, of being told that you are different, of being told that you are not what society thinks you should be. I'm sure you all have experiences of rejection in all of those spaces and others that I'm not even talking about or didn't hit on. For me, when I think about the experiences of fear and rejection that have formed the baseline of my story. I can still recall them all so viscerally. Where I was, what their weather was like, what I was wearing. And when I go back to those moments, I, I time travel. Like I can put myself back into that being. And those moments create an arc that get me to where I am right now. And the very first one I remember, I was about probably 10 or 11, maybe a little younger. And I was a really confident kid. I looked at myself in the mirror and I liked what I saw and I believed in myself. And I had been at a friend's house and we had been having a conversation and I had said, yeah, I do think I'm beautiful. And I remember that friend just looking at me and I thought, oh, what's happening here? And so I was in the car with my mom a few days later and we were driving. I still remember exactly where we were. Uh, we were turning onto the road that goes down by the lake, um, right by the park in Meaford. And it was a blue sky and it was a beautiful day. And I looked at her and I said, how do you express to people? Now I was eight, so I probably didn't use the word express. <laughs> I can't remember all of my eight-year-old vocabulary, but it probably, it was something along the lines of how do you express to people that you know you're beautiful without seeming conceited? And she just looked at me 
and said, well, you're not really supposed to tell people that you know that you're beautiful. And in that moment, I went, oh, okay. So I'm not, I'm, I'm supposed to pretend something else. And God, did I ever lean into that? From that moment on, I became so self-deprecating to the point where when I was 16, we were doing a gift exchange with our friend, with my friends, and they gave me this mirror. And when you picked it up, it would like scream and go, oh my God, I'm so ugly. And that holds such deep resonance for me because we all laughed and joked about the fact that I always, that, you know, that's what I always said, but it was literally reflecting back to me. The fact that I knew it wasn't true. I knew it was untrue that I was awful to look at. And yet because I had been told that that's what you were supposed to do to be accepted. I went all in. And that mirror was a, like a literal mirror to me saying, look at how you are rejecting yourself. In order not to be rejected, by what society has written, you are rejecting yourself. And then I didn't fully listen. I didn't fully hear it. And so the lessons continued. And when I was 18, I was driving in a car with my friends and my boyfriend at the time. And I thought I knew where we were going. We were driving in London. It's a city that I didn't drive in a lot, but I was sure that I knew the route, how to get to where we were going. And it turns out that I didn't. And my boyfriend looked at me and said out loud, in front of our car full of friends after I had given one wrong, uh, uh, the most recent wrong direction. He said, would you just shut up, sit there and look pretty. And I did. I had choices for how I could have used my voice in that moment but I didn't because of the fear that lived in me of what it would mean if I, if I rejected that treatment of myself. And instead, I accepted the fear and I accepted that rejection and I rejected myself. Because what I wanted to say was, 
I am a human who deserves to be seen and you will not speak to me in that way. But that's not what I did. And then when I was in university, in my first year, closer to the end, I had decided to apply to be uh, an RA or a DON, whatever the vocabulary is that you use around that, um, but a resident assistant or, you know, an upper level student who lives in the dorms and supports the first year students. And there was this, there was supposed to be all the secrecy around what the questions would be. But the truth of the matter was, the minute the first person had their interview, they came out, started talking, and within a day or so, most of us knew what most of the questions were. And my friend at the time who also was applying, her boyfriend was the head Don, and he had the questions, and she looked at them in his room and came back and we talked about that. She told me about the questions. Most of them I already knew because I'd heard from other people who had already had their interview. And someone walked in while we were having this conversation. I thought that was the end of it. But just before my interview, again, I remember what I was wearing. I remember exactly where I was sitting in the cafeteria waiting for my time. One of the other head dons went rushing past me and into the interview room just before my interview. And I was like, oh, that's strange. But I didn't really think anything about it. She came out. I went in to have my interview. And before the interview started, the lead person on the interview team looked at me and said, do you know what these questions are? And I knew in that moment what had happened. <laughs> Whoever had walked into the room and listened to my friend and I having this conversation had gone and told people in the interview team that we knew what the questions were. And that person who went hustling into the room just before my interview had gone in there to say, hey, she knows what the questions are. So I admitted the truth and I said, yes, I know what the questions are. And they said, well, how did you know? How did you find out what the questions were? And I'll never forget the look of like disdain on this person's face. And in the moment, I just told the truth of what I knew they wanted to hear. I knew they wanted to hear that my friend had read the questions in her boyfriend's room and we had talked about them. And so the truth was, I had already known the entire college was, everybody who was applying for these roles already knew what the questions were. but I rejected myself and I gave the answer that I knew that they were looking for. 
because of the fear of what they would think of me, because the fear of being a disruptor of telling the actual truth. And that moment of self-rejection hangs deeply to this day. Because what I wish I had said was, everybody knows the questions. The minute the first person had their interview, this is a small community. Everybody knows each other. We've all been talking about it. Everybody knows the questions. And you know what? You're going to get better answers, more thoughtful answers that give you real insight into the people who are applying for this job when you already know what the questions are. So you can be thoughtful. That's what I wish I had said. But fear and rejection, external fear and rejection showed up on my shoulders and said, reject yourself first. And there are so many other moments of rejection. I mean, in reality, we experience them almost every day. I experienced all kinds of them in my career. And I also experienced moments of rejection that served as a binding. And I don't mean a binding in a bad way. I mean, there are these um, plot events that happen along my timeline. And then there are other threads that weave through them, the learning that come from those moments. And one that I can really deeply express now that my teenage brain couldn't have expressed was uh, my English teacher in high school. She gave the most deep and critically thinking feedback on my work. And I remember so many times just when I first would see my paper come back and have all of that red writing on it, it would feel like rejection. And every time I would hand in an assignment to her, oh my God, I'm so afraid because I respected this woman. I still do to this day. She is one of my heart people and one of the roots that keeps me connected to this ground. And I was terrified every time to hand in something to her because I knew I would get all of this red writing and all of this feedback. And when I would first see it, it would feel like rejection. But as I sat with it and read the feedback and my adult brain can express this, my teenage brain couldn't have, but her feedback was not rejection. Her feedback was lovingly calling me forward 
to who she knew I could be, to what she knew I was capable of. And it wasn't until, it isn't until now, to be honest, that I can experience that and understand that experience of lovingly being called forward was the most powerful lesson in self-acceptance and self-love. Because when I could process her feedback, not as rejection, but as a, a calling forward, it's what started the seeds in me of realizing that I did not have to reject myself first. And I have been blessed with incredible women leaders in my life who started planting those seeds so that when the biggest lesson of them all came after all of those plot points and the learning and the reflection that came from each one, I was able to look at that experience as what it was. And it was the, it was the final lesson. The lesson that came just before it was yet another lesson in rejection in that I had applied for a position that in many ways I, that I had advocated for. And interestingly, every job that I applied for and didn't get, I almost always got the same feedback. And that feedback was you, you didn't shine your light brightly enough. In all of your answers, you talked about we, you talked about the team. And while I deeply believe that nobody does anything on their own, it takes community and it takes people together. I also realized through those experiences that if I am doing that, that I'm constantly writing the stories of other people and I'm not writing my own story. And so in that final job interview, I shone the shit out of myself. I went, I was fierce in my outfit. I knew exactly, I crushed every question. And when that interview was done, I was like, fuck, I am amazing. (laughs) I deserve this position. I have earned it. And when it is mine, I will take this opportunity to make this change that needs to happen. but I didn't get that job. And it was deeply painful because I had reflected on everything I had learned. I did not reject myself. I did not write anybody else's story. I wrote myself as the lead. I was shiny. I was bright. I had taken all of the learning from those experiences and I applied them. And I did not get that job. And now what I know is that, yeah, I applied 
that learning. But the next step was, okay, you're learning the lesson, but what are you going to do with it? Because in so many ways, to fit in an education system, I still had to reject myself. And the next lesson is what forced me to action. So I was learning the lessons, and but I still wasn't taking the action that really led to deep self-love and acceptance instead of self-rejection. And so in that lesson that was so difficult of being reported for a tweet that I had made about the oppressive nature of reporting, when it was first brought to me and for and for weeks, it felt like this punch in the gut. It felt like the final blow of rejection. And what helped me get through was the was that through line of people who know me and understand me. So going back to Mary Jane and knowing that I needed to be called forward, the leaders who had to take me through the investigation process really knew me. And they, we had worked together for a long time and there was deep mutual trust and respect. And in many ways, I think going through that process was just as difficult for them as it was for me. And it was in that feeling of rejection while being treated with care and compassion that I was really able to see the truth of what happens when you continuously reject yourself because what happens is a narrative starts being written about you. You write it about yourself and it gains a life of its own and it starts to be written about you. And what I was able to see and what led me to action in that moment was that when I love and respect myself, that is what is drawn into me that care and love that wrapped around me in those moments, that is what was real. And the rejection that I felt was external. It was a narrative that had been written about a fictional version of me. And that is when all of those plot points came together. 
And just this morning in my Facebook memories, it came up, you know, those things where you're like 25 things you don't know about me. And it was from 2009, just 14 years ago now. And I was reading through it and there were three facts in a row. And the first one was, I love my job almost every day. The second one was, that being said, I deeply believe that this system needs to be revolutionized. And the third one said, I hope that someday I'm able to do something that has an impact on the world. And I am patiently waiting for my time. And as I read that this morning, it made me realize that I wasn't rejected by the system. I had rejected the system a long time ago and I continued to live in the fear of what it would mean if I actually took the action that I knew was necessary in my soul to accept myself and to live in a place of self-love, self-respect, and self-acceptance. And so in that mess of tweet investigation early last year, I freed myself from self-rejection first. And I accepted that that fear and rejection that I was feeling was a narrative outside of myself. And it didn't even have to exist if I chose to value myself. What I wrote, I wrote from a place of integrity. And that was what I had been learning all the way along, that what I wanted was to always act from a place of integrity and authenticity. And this time I did. That doesn't mean that it's not painful. And that I don't still still struggle with feelings of self of rejection. When you make a massive shift in your life, it has ripples that you don't always anticipate. And where that rejection still sits deeply with me is watching people I love, colleagues, friends, continue on in this system. And I am deeply grateful that they are there and that they are continuing this work. And I also struggle with 
Why wasn't I enough? Why was I so different? And that creates a tension in my relationships that is of my making. Because that is, that is the fear narrative. So this is where I invite us to take a minute and sit with whatever the hard emotions are that we're feeling. Because it's only when I give myself time to sit with that, that I can start sorting out what is external, what is outside of me, and what is the truth of myself. There's so much written in our culture around getting yourself out of hard feelings, right? What are you going to do? Just put one foot in front of the other. When we do that, however, it's only treating the symptoms. It's not giving ourselves ourselves the space to sit alongside what is causing the symptoms. So for me right now, the symptoms are feeling left behind. They're feeling jealous sometimes. There are feelings of, how come you and not me? And then I know the things that work to get me out of those feelings. And they have a necessary role as well. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we want to sit in our dirty discomfort <laughs> forever. What I'm saying is that, yes, we have strategies to get ourselves out of it. Like I will, I work out. The endorphins from a morning workout are a guaranteed get out of those hard emotions for me. That workout is necessary for me in the day, and I'm not going to stop doing that. But what it means is that I also, with as much dedication and intention, need to make space to sit with what's causing me to have symptoms that need to be treated. For me, what it looks like is intentional time every day to sit alone somewhere in in quiet tune in and really listen to what is happening inside of me and when i do that i hear you are brave you are strong you are courageous you are living a heart led life that is what you are meant to do. And when I let myself hear that, the resistance to the hard starts to go away. And that resistance is fucking energy expensive. When we put our place ourselves in a place where we are fighting against feeling what we what we need to feel, it, is, it takes more energy and effort than it does, honestly, to sit with the hard emotion 
Let it speak its truth. Let it resonate and transform. Because that is what happens when we love the hard emotions. When we love fear. (laughs) When we love rejection. When we show spaces of love for those hard emotions, they transform. When we love our hard emotions, they transform. And so often we are encouraged not to do that, to think of those emotions as bad and something that we need to get rid of. I hear it in the scripts and the way we speak. And I I think I've even done it in this podcast, but I have definitely done it in conversations where it's almost like I have to cushion or or make sure whoever I'm in conversation with knows that I also, you know, acknowledge the positive. So I was having a conversation with my coach yesterday And one of the, I am struggling. I am deep in the depths of figuring out this new marketing system. So one of the things I didn't anticipate in my new role of coaching was the role of sales. And that is not something I've ever had to do. And it is completely outside of my comfort zone. And so I'm taking a marketing course right now. a marketing course and system set up. And there is some technology set up in this that is outside of my comfort zone. And I am learning a ton and I'm stretching my brain and I am deeply uncomfortable because all of these things are so outside of my realm of experience. And it's also bringing up all of that fear of rejection, fear and rejection around who am I to set myself free and who am I to attach a monetary value to who I am? And I let myself sit with that. And that is the struggle. And in the conversation with my coach, Instead of just saying that part, I had, I felt I had to say first, I know I have value and we need to get to a point where we can just accept that the set point is, I know I have value. I know I'm a good mother. I know I'm a great teacher. I know so that we don't have to feed into that toxic positivity cycle of, well, always, always make sure you're feeling, you're feeling the positive. What we have to do is get to a place where that's the set point. We know all that to be true. I have value. That is true, whether I say it out loud or not. And it remains true. When I talk about the hard part of that, I don't have to qualify 
the hard emotions to allow them to have value. I don't have to qualify them with something positive to give them space. Because it doesn't make the good part untrue. That part remains true. I can have value, know that I have value, and at the same time, struggle with letting myself in actuality attach a dollar value to that. It's that place of dichotomy where two things are true at the same time. But I don't have to give energy to creating that facade of everything is okay so that I am not rejected by the person I am in conversation with or so that that I don't sometimes we do I do that to try to skip the response of the other person too. But I mean, you do know this about yourself or, well, at least there's this or, um, but you have all of this. Yes, that is true. And right now I just need to sit with this hard shit (laughs) because it is only when I sit with the hard shit and let it be, and feed it love that it transforms. So what hard shit do you need to sit with? Can you make space in your day to just sit with the darkness, to sit with your shadow, to let the emotion of fear and rejection, let it in instead of trying to push it out. Let it in, sit with it, listen. What is it telling you? What action does it want you to take to call your power back? Because fear and rejection are about handing our power over to other people or handing our power to external sources. And it can teach us the lessons when we listen to it of how to call back all that power that we have given away and how to pull it into ourselves and how to use fear and rejection and and its lessons as a modality of healing. So I'm going to leave you with that. How can we use those lessons of fear and rejection as a modality of healing, as a modality of calling back our power, and as a modality Modality of getting into deep self-love and acceptance. Tell me about it. Let me hear about it. Thank you for listening. Big love, friends. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me today. It means so much to me that you give space for these conversations and these stories in your life. That's the goal of this podcast is to build heart and soul and thinking connections. And I can't share how grateful I am to you for giving time for this. Please rate, review, share this podcast. It means so much to me when I hear back from listeners. Uh, If you scroll down in the description, you'll see a spot where you can send in uh, voice notes. You can also message me directly on my Facebook page or on Instagram. Your thoughts mean so much to me, and I am so grateful when you share them. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the Lean In community. Lots of love. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a beautiful different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.